Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Well, for this message, I'm coming to you online and from my living room. Uh, last week, I started feeling a little congested, and so I tested for the coronavirus, and it was positive. And so I've been at home all this past week, and uh, with Jerry and May, we've been here at the house. And uh, I'm a little bit past the midpoint, and if I continue to progress and feel all right, then uh, I should be wrapping up my quarantine time towards the end of this, uh, this week. And I've actually heard people say, hey, I can't tell the difference between when you're sick and when you're well. And I'm not really sure uh, how to take that, but, um, but I do feel pretty good. And uh, it's, it's been, uh, been going pretty good. So I just appreciate uh, prayers and the encouragement that has come our way. Well, that probably leads to another consideration, uh, which would be why in the world do I find it necessary to record a message while I'm home quarantined with coronavirus? Uh, isn't there somebody else who could deliver this message? And the short answer, of course, is yes. We've had people, multiple people who have filled in in my absence uh, over the years. And even just two weeks ago, my son, Ethan, uh, delivered a message uh, talking about media and mediums and the method of delivery and how that's part of the message in and of itself. Now today uh, that ties back to this message. The reason that I'm on video uh, is because that's actually part of the message itself. And uh, I'll get to that a little bit later towards the end of, end of the message. But um, this, this idea that we're talking about, and I started last week, that we as a church want to learn to go deeper with Jesus. We want to walk farther into spiritual growth. Uh, it, it's really the, the simplicity of what Jesus talked about, but also the weightiness of it, is that those who know him, those who are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven uh, aren't just those who call him Lord, Lord, aren't who just, just say, we recognize you. It has to be those whom Jesus recognizes. And the world around us is fragmenting into polarizing opposites. Um, it is uh, each corner looking for its version of the truth. Uh, creating echo chambers of like-sounding, like-minded people. So you, you've got people on both ends of the spectrum who are uh, saying the same things in different polar opposites, but they're creating these, um, these echo chambers where people are saying uh, things that agree with one another. And they're looking for people to think and speak and conform on different social realities. Now, this, make no mistake, this is historically, biblically, this has happened throughout all of time, and, and it's babble all over again. Uh, conform and be of one mind and one thought and be with us and we can accomplish things. But if you're not with us, then we push you, uh, we push you outside. 
Uh, it's, it's Babel once again that calls you to become us. And make no mistake, I'm speaking about the liberal Babel and the conservative Babel. They are two branches of the same vine uh, that seeks control. So in contrast to this culture, it's the church that we're emerging out or we're struggling to emerge with our own voice that is breaks from Babel and that brings the message of God, the message of the kingdom. And so it's not a message of power and control. It's a message of bringing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so it doesn't align to liberal. It doesn't align to conservative. It aligns to biblical and aligns to Christ. And so it's not part of Babel. It's its own, its own kingdom. Uh, it's this simplicity of this message that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So again, this is incredibly clear, but incredibly weighty. Simple in our understanding of what it takes to truly know him and participate in his kingdom. But it really puts the weight on this idea of hearing from God. Uh, that means that for us, New Horizons, we're going to become, we need to, and we're committed to becoming very good at waiting, listening, and doing God's will. Waiting upon the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit and the discernment of God's will, and then doing what it is that he says that we are to do. And so this next season of ministry that the Lord is calling us into, uh, it's going to challenge each and every one of us uh, as a church family. Uh, it's going to challenge us in different ways as we seek to grow deeper and to become the individuals and the church community that he's calling us into as we desire to become a spiritual orchard of the Lord with each one growing at a different pace. We have uh, spiritual infants who are becoming into spiritual adults and spiritual adults who are being pruned back as the Lord works in their life. And so again, that means whether you're six or 86, uh, this is going to be a season where God is going to strengthen you. He's going to challenge you, going to grow and prune in your life. And so we're excited about this. We're excited what it means for us to function as a church in that capacity. Now, we're going to do it through a more intentional approach in three specific areas, fellowship, small groups, and outreach. And so maybe a better way to envision these as opposed to just uh, church functions is to think about a tree that's actually been planted. Uh, when a tree needs to be stabilized because we don't want the roots to turn, uh, you stabilize it in three different areas and you tie it down or stake it down in three different areas to make sure that it has the support that it needs uh, for the roots to really go down deep. And it really takes all three to evenly support uh, the tree. And likewise, so we view it through this lens that every follower of Jesus needs these three things. We need a fellowship and a community. And so these are our weekend gatherings. These are large group gatherings, those gatherings of 15 or more where it's more community minded. So we need that type of fellowship and, and that community connection. Uh, every person needs small group life. They need a group of, you know, three to eight individuals or so that they're getting together with. Um, maybe another, uh, some other couples, maybe some individuals that they know in, 
uh, within the church. But you get these groups of, you know, three to eight people who create a small group and there's spiritual development and accountability. And then there needs to be connecting into the world outside of the church. There needs to be this outreach component. And it's so critical because otherwise we become so inward focused and we fail to release uh, the, the gospel. We fail to bring this good news to the world around us in a uh, compelling and significant way. It, it kind of trickles out through the church versus just flows out from the life that we have. And so I'll be building on uh, these ideas over the coming weeks, but I just wanted to, to kind of keep that in front of us before I get into today's message, that this is, this is what we need to uh, gravitate towards. This is where we have some work to do. This is where we want to uh, align ourselves to a more holistic growth so that uh, we're, we're not spending so much time just on that fellowship area, but we're actually able to, to dive deeper into the other two as well. Well, that brings us to today's message out of John chapter 13. If you want to turn there, uh, if you want to open a Bible app, and we'll also hold have the verses on the screen here. Um, we're going to, throughout this series of messages on spiritual growth, um, you know, we're going to be looking at John chapters 13 through 17. And it's, uh, it's one of the more significant teachings, I believe, that Jesus provided to his disciples and, and to us. And it's nested in this area where uh, Jesus is uh, at the, the Passover feast uh, with the disciples. We call it sometimes the Last Supper. And he's giving them really just this final deep instruction about what it means to follow him. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think if we take the time to really go deeply into it, we'll have a better picture of what it looks like as we're growing deep in Jesus. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and um, just invite us to be open to what the Lord wants to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this time together and the invitation to grow deep with you. Um, we just put ourselves at rest before you now. Uh, we're not anxious. We're not in a hurry. We're not uptight. We're very present with you, Lord, your Holy Spirit. We're just full of your spirit and receiving what you have for us. And we thank you for this breath of life that you've given to us. And thank you just that even our time together, even though it's through video, God, that it's very present with you, that, that you're not distant in any way. And so we thank you for this time and your word that goes forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, I just mentioned a little bit ago as we turn to John 13, it's a very close and intimate time of Jesus being with the disciples. Uh, it's the Passover. It's the Last Supper. And uh, after this moment, uh, Jesus is going to go with the disciples out to the garden. He's going to pray, ask the Father to remove the cup of the cross from him. Um, is there any other way, Father, that this can happen? And, and uh, of course, the answer is, is no. The, the Lord, uh, the Father, doesn't take the cross away. It's the way of salvation. And so Jesus continues to go forward from 
that point out of the Last Supper to the garden and then being arrested and then to the cross. And so each gospel account has its own telling of the Passover feast. But John in particular spends more time in this teaching moment of what Jesus had to say as they were gathered around the table. And he tells us about this final teaching and he leads off with this event that took place in John chapter 13. He leads with this thing that Jesus does, the washing of the disciples' feet as an entrance into really this Passover feast and then the teachings uh, that, he, that he has. So John 13, 1 through 15. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, this story of foot washing is familiar to many, but I just want to make a couple notes about this act because it isn't something that, that we do, except sometimes it happens in religious circles in response to this passage of Scripture. Uh, foot washing was a service that the host would have provided uh, for those who were coming into the home. A servant would have uh, provided this foot washing to those who were in attendance. So, you know, guests did not sit on formal chairs, kind of like I am here, at a 90-degree angle sitting upright. Uh, they reclined on either couches or cushions, uh, leaning forward with a table that was at the head, and they would have kind of leaned in and put their hand, leaned in on a shoulder or forward on their arms, and the food was 
presented uh, before them where the table is at. And then they would have extend, extended their legs behind them and they would have kind of hung off of the couch or off of the cushion to the back away from the table. So everybody's inclined or reclining at the, towards the table with their feet extended backwards. And a servant uh, would have come around with a basin and uh, would have knelt down by their feet uh, as they're reclining forward and they would have just walked around behind them and washed the feet of the guests who were at the table. And uh, so this definitely was a role of a servant. Uh, feet were dirty, of course, wearing sandals, walking on dirt roads. We're not talking about asphalt. Uh, uh, yes, there was some stone laid down, but just in general, you're walking with sandals. Uh, you know, summertime, if you've done that, your feet get pretty dirty. And so uh, this was just a way of honoring your guests and, and uh, providing this, this cleansing of their feet. So the question comes about, how did Jesus come about to do this? Well, for one, if you remember, they're in a borrowed place. Uh, this was Jesus sent the disciples along, said, hey, uh, go ahead and secure this, this space. And so there wasn't a set host. Um, this is a space that was, uh, that was borrowed. And there wasn't a disciple specifically assigned to it. And so it got just generally overlooked among the disciples. Uh, nobody uh, took the initiative to do this. It wasn't anyone's job but it definitely wasn't Jesus's job. <laughs> we could be really certain about that. It definitely wasn't something that a rabbi would do for his students. Uh, it says in verses four and five uh, that Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And, and so Jesus took the initiative to do this. He got up from supper. He was already next to them, got up and began to do this. Now, my goodness, I cannot express strongly enough how distasteful this was to the disciples, how offensive this is uh, for those in the room here they are reclining at the Passover meal. They're facing towards the table and the rabbi gets up, takes off clothing. So he's in his undergarments. He gets a basin of water and a rag and he starts one by one kneeling at his disciples' feet and begins to wash them. Uh, this is absolutely humiliating and offensive uh, the disciples are reclining, uh, they're at the table like they're princes, and here's their rabbi as a servant, washing their dirty feet. Um, half naked, uh, kneeling behind them while they're facing the table. Uh, you know, it's, it's like they're probably not even making eye contact as their feet extend back towards them. Jesus is walking around behind them, washing off their feet how uncomfortable that would be. They're making eye contact with one another or just looking down, embarrassed that their rabbi is washing their feet. Uh, so, so incredibly um, um, distasteful is this moment in, in multiple ways. And so 
This is, this is difficult. This is uh, offensive for Jesus to be doing it. It's offensive for them to have to be receiving it. And so as I finish up this message, I want to take the last portion of our time together to just highlight these offenses and these ways that we can either hold on to offense or we can choose to release them and look at the situation from a different perspective. This is incredibly, incredibly critical as we desire as a church to move into a deeper level of a spiritual walk with Jesus, we have to start from the position. I have to begin at the place of releasing offense because if I can't release offense against those around me, if you're holding on to offenses of the past or even from this morning, even from this moment, you won't grow and you won't move forward with Jesus. You'll get stuck. And so it's so powerful that Jesus begins the Last Supper before he gets to talking about the betrayal, before he gives instructive and powerful teaching. He begins with this foot washing that is both an opportunity to either take hold of offense and hold on to it or to finally let go of an offense. So this first thing that I notice in this is that we can choose to be offended and wounded that others lack awareness of needs, or we can model servanthood. We can choose to be offended and wounded that others lack awareness of needs, our needs and others' needs, or we can model servanthood. Now, for Jesus, this is offensive that he even had to do it. One of the disciples should have, could have, and you would think, you, you would hope, would have taken the initiative to come into the room and recognize, oh, oh no, we overlooked the foot washing. We overlooked somebody uh, to take care of that. Uh, I've been with Jesus. Let, I'm, I'm going to take that on, or I'm going to make... Uh, um, a way for the foot washing to take place uh, as, as the evening got started. And so someone, anyone but Jesus, could have at the very beginning taken that on as their responsibility. But no one does. No one does. All of his teaching, all of his demonstrating uh, servanthood, not one of them take the initiative to serve. They only recline at the table and, and join him, and it's only at the point where he gets up to do it that there's any real recognition that this needs to happen. You know, at that point, Jesus had three options. <laughs> he could have, like the disciples, just said, you know what, it didn't happen, somebody missed it, it we're just no foot washing tonight. He could have overlooked it. Uh, he could have told one of them to do it. You know, uh, you know hey, uh, Peter, <laughs> you're the rock. <laughs> Go and wash the feet of the other disciples. Matthew, um, get the basin, and I want you to do it. He, he could have uh, just asked one of them to do it, or somebody else in the room if there was another individual that could have taken that responsibility. So... You know, he, he could have ignored it. He could have assigned somebody else. Or 
uh, he could pick up a towel and model servanthood for them. And of course he chose that third option. Uh, he gets up, he takes off his outer garment and that inner garment is much like what we would consider underwear. Um, it's, it's, uh, something that you wouldn't be in out in public, of course. And, uh, he gets the water, pours into the basin and begins to wash the disciples feet. And so that's the first point. We can be deeply wounded that others aren't recognizing what needs to be done in our lives and we're, they're, they're not caring, they're not attentive, or, or we can do just like Jesus did and we can just say, you know, I choose not to take offense, but instead I choose to model like Jesus did servanthood and address the issues that need to take place. Well, here's, here's the other offense is that apart from the having to even just wash the feet, Jesus could have been offended at those whose feet he was washing. Oh my goodness, he lived with these men for two and a half, three years uh, in his ministry. He was around them. There was certainly plenty. If you've lived with anybody that closely, you find things to be offended at. But Jesus, more than any others, uh, Peter was about to deny him three different times. And Jesus knows this. He tells Peter, uh, before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny me three times. We'll, we'll read it a little bit later on in another message. But uh, Jesus washes Peter's feet. Um, all of them, at one point or another, seem more concerned about their position and power and their titles with one another than they did about serving him and, and what was happening. He had to continually remind them uh, that the kingdom of God wasn't about lordship and authority and power. It was about servanthood and loving one another. And so he could have taken such great offense that here he is once again, having to model servanthood to grown men who couldn't get out of their own way to, to, uh, tell one another who's more in charge or to pump their chests and, and beat their chests and talk about how great they're going to be over the other one. Uh, so he could have easily taken offense at that. Uh, how about, let's just say Judas Iscariot, uh, just saying his name, um, it offends us. Uh, Judas is going to betray him with a kiss just hours from now. And yet Jesus washes his feet as Judas reclines at the table for the Passover meal, for which Jesus will say, this is my body and this is my blood. Oh my goodness, Jesus washes his feet. You know, uh, if I'm being honest, <laughs> if, if this, you know, it wouldn't be me, I would have been like the other disciples, oblivious to this most likely, but if I'm Jesus and I get to Judas, I'm probably just taking the rag and dragging it over his feet and moving on to the next one but Jesus washes Judas's feet. And so it's, it's this idea how many of us have taken offense at someone and instead of uh, using Jesus's example of finding the ability to forgive and release the offense, we follow the world's way and we say, I only have time for people who are going to make me feel good. Uh, they say, I'm only going to allow people in my life who uh, help build me up and make me feel good about myself. Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't and doesn't take that approach with the disciples or with us? How many times have I disappointed the Lord? Have I grieved the Holy Spirit? And yet, uh, praying the prayer of, of David, 
Lord, cast not your spirit from me. You know, don't drive me out of your presence, but let me be with you. And, and so this is the thing is we can take the offense of others and we can wound ourselves over and over with it, or we can release it and we can say, Lord, help me not to take these offenses and, 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 and fail to serve others because I've been offended, but Lord, help me to bring forgiveness. So here's the difference between Jesus's approach and the world's approach when we've been offended. Jesus doesn't cut people out of his life when they offend him. He invites them to go with him as far as they're able in their broken condition. Jesus doesn't cut people out of his life when they offend him. He invites them to go with him as far as they're able in their broken condition. And so even with Judas, remember, Jesus didn't cast Judas out of the room. Judas had made his decision. Uh, even though he knew Judas was going to betray him, he let Judas remain with him as long as he was able, even though Judas was deeply broken, sinful, and was going to betray the Lord. So it was Judas himself who decided he no longer wanted Jesus in his life, but Jesus walked with him until that point. This is difficult, and it takes maturity. It takes growth. I'm not saying we're all there and we're able to do it, but this is where we want to get to. It's to not cutting people out of our life because they've disappointed us and they've offended us somehow, but somehow they've betrayed us or they've done us wrong, and so we cut them out. This is difficult to show the maturity to be able to say, I forgive them and I allow them to walk with me to the point where they're able to, and then they're not able to follow anymore. If we're going to follow Jesus, we learn to not cut people out, but to walk with the Lord, abide in Christ. And as long as people are able to stay with us and not themselves choose to be pushed out of our life, and to desert us, then it's our desire to continue to grow in, in that way. Now, finally, we switch from the offenses that Jesus experienced from the foot washing or could have taken upon himself to that of the disciples themselves. Uh, they faced their own offenses they had to overcome. As Jesus came to Peter, it was Peter who actually verbalized how distasteful this was for him. It was something that most likely all the disciples were feeling, right? Uh, Peter is always good at verbalizing what the room is, is feeling. And so Peter, Peter said this, in essence, he says, Lord, this is not right. You cannot do this. In fact, he, he essentially gets to the point of saying, I won't allow it. Lord, you can't do this. And it took Jesus saying, well, I have to do it. Otherwise, you have no part with me. We're, we're not continuing together. And, and so they were all offended at some level by this action because of Jesus washing their feet. Um, for one, it wasn't his place to do it. And so they were embarrassed for him. Um, again, the rabbi shouldn't be behind them in his undergarments washing the dirt off of their feet. They're, they're embarrassed for him. What kind of rabbi does this? Uh, this is offensive that you would even be willing to do this. Um, uh, they're offended because he should have more self-respect. Um, you know, it's, it's offensive that he doesn't uh, tell one of them to do it, doesn't make them do it. 
doesn't, doesn't a rabbi hold more honor or esteem? And so it's, it's offensive to the point that Jesus uh, doesn't have more self-respect in that regard. And then they, they felt offended because it made them feel small or petty uh, because they weren't willing or hadn't taken the initiative to do it. And I can only imagine, I just tried to put myself in, in that place of kneeling forward and just thinking of the Lord getting up and coming around and then he gets to, to my feet. You would just, you'd feel so just embarrassed that, that the one whom you've called Lord, you've called the Christ, you've, you're following because you believe in who he is and yet uh, he's behind you. Uh, washing your feet and, and cleansing them. So it, it would certainly make them feel small or, or that they really missed the mark in that. And so they can take offense at that. They could, they could just be really put out uh, about the whole situation and even by Jesus that he did this. It's significant at this Passover feast that this last and close personal interaction uh, that Jesus creates this scenario that they have to get over him and they have to get over themselves. And by that, I just mean, we, we kind of say that with people sometimes in a very uh, sarcastic way or biting way, we'll say, get over yourself, meaning show some humility. Um, and the same way Jesus is confronting their own sense of person with this act of great humility and servanthood. You're going to have to get over this offense that's taking place before he gets to this final offense, which is the cross itself. You know, our offenses with Jesus often are not with he, who he is theologically, but with how comfortable he is with our discomfort. Let me say that again because it takes a little bit to think about. We, we often aren't struggling with Jesus theologically. We're struggling because we're in this place of discomfort. We're awkward. We're, we're not sure what's happening in the moment or with life in a whole season. And Jesus doesn't seem to be making it less uncomfortable for us. He's, he seems to be okay that we're feeling disjointed or uncomfortable because there's something to be learned in that moment of discomfort that can't come any other way. And it's important, here's a catch, it's important that we don't get derailed or we don't let the offense of the discomfort derail us from our spiritual growth. So more concisely, let me say it this way, our spiritual growth requires that we don't allow our offenses to derail us from discipleship but help us explore and live more deeply in the way of Jesus. Our spiritual growth requires that we don't allow our offenses to derail us from discipleship, but help us explore and live more deeply in the way of Jesus. And that's really critical. You and I can be offended we could be offended at people aren't responsive to needs. We can be offended that why are we the one that's having to step up and do this? We can be offended at the people that we're having to serve. I know their problems. I know what they've done. 
they should be serving me. At the least, I know I shouldn't be serving them. They've done worse things. We can be offended at the circumstance itself, just as the disciples maybe were. And so in all these things, we can choose to make the offense the center point, or we can work at getting over ourselves and getting over the circumstance and sit in the uncomfortableness of the moment and say, Lord, what is it that you're actually doing here? What is it that you're wanting to accomplish? (laughs) The Last Supper of foot washing and offenses. You know, it's not just that a foot washing took place. It's that the master and Lord was the one washing the feet of the servants, the disciples. It's the irony of it. It's the, it's the delivery of the message and how important the delivery was in relationship to the foot washing itself. The medium was as important as the message itself, the way that it came in through Jesus was maybe even more important than the fact that it was just a foot washing itself. Today, you're watching this on a screen, a video. And that too can be offensive to some. To some, it can seem offensive. It's a message that challenges us to grow past our offenses. It's a message that challenges us to move forward in discipleship regardless of the method or means through which we're being taught. But it's just that. It's a choice. It's choosing to continue with Jesus in the path that he's leading us in whatever way he wants to disciple us. We can position ourselves and say, we're only going to receive from this person or in this method or when the conditions are this way. We can say, this is offensive to me if it doesn't happen this way. It needs to be in both the way and the person and the means, and it needs to be delivered in a way that I'm willing to receive it. We can be discipled in a way that we take offense at so many things that we can only be discipled in a very narrow, and small way, or or we can take an approach that says, Lord, I refuse to take offense at people and things in such a way that it would minimize my discipleship with you. Instead, Lord, any place, any time, and any way you want to speak to me, I'm going to be willing and available to listen to you. I'm willing to hear from you. And I choose not to take offense, but I choose to find ways to drop my offenses so that I can remain with you through all seasons, all moments, in every circumstance, that I won't be so offended that I can't fight through it, get over myself and get over the moment to remain and grow with you. Well, this is a great opportunity for, as this message comes to a close, for you to take a moment with the Lord and just say, is there anything in me that I'm holding on to? Any offense of a circumstance, any offense of a person, any offense at a method 
or a way that I'm, that I'm letting it be an obstacle to my opportunity to remain with Jesus. I want to invite you to do that. And then as you go forward, just make that simple prayer that, Lord, any way, any time, any place, any means that you want to disciple me, I'm going to continue forward with you, shedding the offenses so that I can abide in you and go forward. The Lord bless you as you do it, and he will empower you for it. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us, and may the Lord bless you.